All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians, and I won't uh, keep you real long here. 2 Corinthians, anybody can guess the chapter? 2 Corinthians chapter what? 8. I thought you said 8, yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. But that's good. He, you know, he's engaged. He's, he's recently engaged, and so he needs to focus on 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8. Okay. Uh, praise the Lord. We're in the series um, that we've uh, titled Encourage, which is, uh, literally means to infuse with courage. The word encourage means literally to infuse you with courage. And one of the uh, descriptive terms for the Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus said in uh, John chapter 14, I'm going to go away, but when I go away, I'm not going to leave you without comfort. And uh, uh, I really like... Uh, was it the Geneva Bible uh, translation? It says, I'm not going to leave you fatherless. And if you look at the definition of the, the word paraclete, which is uh, what the uh, New Testament uses for um, the Holy Spirit in the original language, it, it talks about that he is, one of the things he is, is he is an encourager or he is an infuser of courage into you. And so I really like, and obviously that's one of the reasons I'm reading it every week, but I really like how William Barclay defines it. It says, the paraclete, the spirit, is the constant illuminating, strengthening, and enabling presence of Jesus. The constant illuminating, strengthening, notice he said strengthening, enabling, you know, he has made me able, he makes you able, presence of Jesus. It means to exhort or to urge. You know, so... Rick's ready to like go to blows with the guy that's like knocking this engineering feet over, which I can understand. I could understand this twelve years ago. So, so, you know, the spirit of God through uh, I'm God, who I know I'm God. What a nice guy. He has over for uh, dinner, and uh, Jeremy had like some of that coffee, and I think he. It was pretty intense or whatever. Turkish coffee. Turkish coffee, yeah, Turkish coffee, thank you. And, um, you know, so the Lord's using Amgad, of all people now, <laughs> the Lord's using Amgad, speaking through Amgad to Rick and uh, urging and encouraging, you know, just wait, just wait, just wait, right? And so... Uh, it is so vital. You know, one could put 1,000 to flight, but two could put 10,000 to flight. And it's amazing when you have, you, you come together in marriage or friendship or relationship, it is amazing if you will stay humble and keep yourself under the mighty hand of God himself and understand Jessica is just as much a part of the body of Christ as I am a part of the body of Christ. And, um, you know, no, no matter the age or, or experience, and so Dilip is just as much a part of the body of Christ as I am a part of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We got to pray for you today. You and Ann. Dilip and Ann are um, uh, moving to uh, Missouri? Arkansas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Walmart headquarters or something like that. Uh, not for Walmart. Yeah, maybe not for Walmart, but that's what it's known for. And so... Uh, you know, Dillip just uh, gave his life to the Lord about three weeks ago, I think it was. Praise the Lord. 
And so uh, I really appreciate Dilip because uh, the first time I talked to him about uh, receiving Jesus as Lord, he said, no, no. He said, I'm not ready. And uh, he uh, kept seeking the Lord and then reading the word. And like um, non-Christian, sowing finances into different things we're doing at the church. Well, you got to be careful if you're going to sow money into the, into the kingdom of God. Because where you sow, you know, your heart goes to where you sow. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so like I like to say, if I have, and I think about it when I say it, because then I think if I give you money, you think I have trouble with you. Uh, just receive the money. <laughs> but you know, if you have trouble with somebody, if you, if you give them uh, something that's valuable to you, you know, if it's like $2 is not valuable to you and you give them $2, that's not what I'm talking about. But you give something that's valuable to you, uh, it'll touch your heart. It'll affect your heart. And uh, even we learn in Malachi that, uh, you know, bring all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me with this, says the Lord. But if you look at the context before, he says, return to me and I will return to you. How, how have, you know, and he said, you've robbed me. How have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. So really one of the ways to return back to the Lord is to tithe if you don't tithe. So uh, anyhow, your gift made room for you. And... Uh, and his diligence to really just, I'm going to make a real decision for the Lord Jesus Christ and praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah. And uh, there's lots to that testimony, but I won't share it all. Praise the Lord. We're thankful with, for what the Lord's doing. And so the Holy Spirit on the inside of you will urge you and he will exhort you and he will infuse courage into you no matter what the battle is if you'll stop and you know, make room for him. And so uh, that happens not always just on your own. Sometimes it happens through the relationships that you're in. And uh, I know uh, Pastor Mark Hankins, he, he said that the Lord told him one time, there's some things that you are not going to get directly from me, like in your prayer time or reading the word. The Lord told him, I have called you to be in relationship with certain individuals and you have to get this through that relationship or you won't get it. So you can't just be like, hey, I'm just doing my own thing. It's just me and the Lord, and I just go to the woods to worship the Lord. Well, I like to worship the Lord in the woods. I have a little, it may be almost dry now, but we have a little pond on the property that I love to pray at. You know, but you can't just be just you and God and be a Christian because a, a Christian actually is part of a family. You become a part of a family, and so... Um, you know, you can see other people's faults. That's why you, you notice them. You just can't see your own. And the only way I have found to see my faults is Rick will tell me. No. <laughs> he wouldn't tell me. Um, <laughs> but really, when you read the word with an open heart, looking to receive, the word actually will admonish you many times. That means literally smack you. And you're like, uh, Brother Hagin would always describe it as, Lord, Lord, you punch me in the gut. A low blow, he called it. You, you hit me a low blow. Hit me in the gut, you know. Um, or yieldedness to the Holy Spirit, you know. But you, you live a life feeding on the word and making room for the Holy Spirit. And the, uh, the Lord will uh, help you and redirect you. 
So uh, the same root word for Holy Spirit is used for exhorting troops who are about to go into a battle. It's the word used of speeches of leaders and of soldiers who urge each other on. It's the word used uh, for words, words which send fearful and timid and hesitant soldiers and sailors courageously into battle. It's, he's therefore an encourager, one who puts courage into the faint-hearted, one who nerves the feeble arm for flight, and one who makes a very ordinary man cope gallantly with a perilous and dangerous situation. In other words, if you listen and yield to the Holy Spirit, he'll make you look uh, smart. He'll make you look courageous. You will, act, you know, some people have an act of courage. They maybe get the, even the Medal of Honor and they say, well, I don't even know why I did that. I just acted instinctively. Well, some people, you know, God created humans with an instinct for dominion and, uh, you know, to retreat from death. But many of those people who won the Medal of Honor actually were following the Holy Spirit, the urges and promptings of the Spirit of God. And so uh, what, what a tremendous thing uh, to be filled with courage from the Holy Spirit. And then one of the main scriptures we have been using is J uh, James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy when you face all kinds of tests and trials. When you face all kinds of tests and trials, talk about them as much as you can. Tell everybody what you're going through. Get some sympathy. That's not what he said. Count it all joy. One translation says, count it maximum joy. Count it maximum joy. Well, you should tell your husband or wife that when they're not counting it maximum joy, but do it in a very, like, <laughs> soft answer, turns away wrath sort of way, especially if it's the man. There are things that you ladies don't like about us, but that's also what you like about us. So just, you kind of got to like. So count it all joy when you face all kinds of tests and trials. That's a, that's a different way to, when's the last time you heard that on the news? You know, they got a heat wave coming. Some people are dying. People are having trouble. Count it all joy. Now, when you face all kinds of tests and trials, you can't pay your bills. Count it all joy. Count it maximum joy. Why? Because the testing of your faith, and we, we talked about this last week, you know, that testing, he went on to say later on in uh, chapter 1, chapter 2, when let no one say when they're tested that this testing is of God because God cannot be tempted by evil, neither he tempts anyone, right? So the testing is actually from the enemy. But there is a purification process. I love it. I love it. The devil's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess you up because I'm going to test you. I'm going to put pressure on you. I, I'm, I'm going I'm to get you. And the Lord just puts it in the word, so makes it eternally established that if you count it all joy, understanding that this is actually developing perfection in you or mature, such maturity in you that you become perfect and entire, lacking or wanting nothing, that the plan and scheme and tactic of the devil actually helps you. <laughs> you know, it sounds like what the devil meant for evil, God turned it for good. Amen. So God's not trying to, uh, he doesn't want that stuff to come on you. 
But God's way is so much higher and better than anything the devil could conceive or pervert or try to come up with that even his best tactics, if we do it God's way, you just live. Well, I don't know what to do. I'll tell you what to do. You just check on the inside where the Spirit of God is and you'll find words of courage and strength and a way of escape in your time of temptation. Well, that's why you count it all joy. Count it all joy and you face all kind of tests and trials. All right, so let's just real quickly talk about a financial test and trial. Financial test and trial. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, verse 1. And I'm going to read, you know, I normally read in New King James or King James. I'm going to read in um, Weymouth Translation first. I don't know if you guys have that. And then New Living, you probably have that. Uh, no, I'll read in New Living first. New Living first. Uh, is that KJ? And then I will read in Weymouth. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Now I want you to listen and see if there's any tests and trials here and if there's any joy and rejoicing. All right. You know, Philippians chapter 4, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will flood your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay, that's great. But my wife pointed this out to me one time when I was uh, reading that. If you just read the verse before, he said, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. So don't be worried or fretting or anxious or stressed out about anything, but pray about everything. You just turn every situation over to the Lord. Every situation over to the Lord. Again, he's talking about rejoicing. So when you have these tests and trials, those are going to exert pressure on you. Uh, and those are going to cause you to try to, why? Well, because if the devil can get a hold of your mouth, he can get a hold of your life. But if the devil can't get a hold of your mouth and you're born again, you have been lifted out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light. Actually, one, one uh, verse says, the kingdom of the son of his love. And in that place, in the love of God, the devil can't touch you. It's like you feast at a table like Psalm 23 in the presence of your enemies. And you're, well, what? You got, yeah, there's enemies around. You're going to have enemies around as long as you're on the earth, you know? Somebody said to Brother Hagin, I want you to pray that uh, the devil will stop bothering me. And Brother Hagin said, you want me to pray that you'll die? Because as long as you're here on the earth, you've got an enemy to contend with. And he has you in his sights. And he is after you. And if you try to battle him on his territory, the arena of doubt and I wonder and reason and the power of your own flesh and the power of your own connections, well, you're going to fail every time. But if you battle him in the arena of faith, he lost that already. We're more than conquerors in that, in that arena. So, uh, verse 1, New Living, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness, it's talking about the grace of God, has done through the churches in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles, and they're very poor. 
but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed. What happened with their joy? Right? Uh, King James says deep poverty and great adversity. They're also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed into their rich generosity. Like, not just any kind of generosity, but rich generosity. How would you like, you know, you found out that you had like a great uncle you didn't know about, and he was richly generous towards you. I just think about that. Well, they were the poor great uncle. And they were richly generous. Why? Count it all joy when you face all kind of tests and trials. Well, they, they gave joyously. Okay, why did they do that? Let's, let's go fast. I have to go fast. For I testify uh, that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. Did you catch that? They did it of their own free will. So, you know, you should always give of your own free will. You don't have to give. Now, I feel like I have to give. I'm contradicting myself. No, like, you shouldn't give because, certainly, I hope I never do this, but myself or anybody else is pushing you to give. But sometimes I just have to give because I have the Holy Spirit on the inside, and I just, I just have this, this urging... This prompting, like, like, go ahead, sow into this. And I love it when that happens. You know why? Because when he does that, there's no pressure on me. As soon as he says that, I'm like, all right, let's go for it. Now, I learned, because I have flesh, that as soon as the Lord speaks to me like that, I must make a mental decision. I'm doing that as soon as I get access to however I can give the money whether it's a check or my electronic account or whatever it is, because I learned sometimes if you don't do it right away that uh, there's a thousand and one reasons to not do it later. <laughs> and I, I don't have time to tell that story. but So, so the, the urging, the prompting, well, it's wonderful to have the Lord direct you and show you because he's the one that directed you and he's the one that showed you. And then when you act based on what he said, he has to make it come to pass, not me. So I have great boldness then towards the Lord when he puts something on my heart. I'm like, Lord, you're the one that said to sow this. And not only did you say to sow this, but in chapter nine, if I just go right over to chapter nine, I know you said that you give seed to the sower. And not only that's great, he gives seed to the sower. Awesome. But then he said, I will multiply your seed sown that you always, say always, always, having all sufficiency, like have everything you need, chapter, that's verse 8, chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may be able to give into every good work. So of their own free will, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift to the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we hoped. How did they do that? This is 
more than what Paul and those traveling with him hoped. They gave more than that. Well, by first giving themselves to the Lord and to us. So you want to know how to be a giver? Number one, give yourself to the Lord. Lord, not my will, but your, what do you want? What do you want done? What do you, you know, I always ask the Lord, what do you want me to sow? How should I sow? And then I put my faith on what he told me to sow. Because I know he gives seed to the sower. He multiplies the seed sown. He, he'll take care of me better than I take care of myself. So they even did more than we hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. So, you know, Titus was there teaching about giving, and then he left, and then Paul encouraged him, go back, finish, finish the teaching so, so they can grab hold of this and they can really give. All right, let's go to... Um, Verse 9, skip down real quick. And uh, no, I, I, I got to finish verse 7. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. King James says, see to it that you abound in this grace also. He said, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. So remember, uh, he's writing this to the church at Corinth about the churches in the Macedonian region. I think mainly about the church at Philippi, but that's just my opinion. But the church at Philippi is one of those churches uh, of Macedonia. But he says to the Corinthian church, as you excel in your faith and in your gifted speakers... What is he talking about in your gifted speakers? You know, King James says utterance in utterance. He talks about this in 1 Corinthians, like the first letter, the first chapter of the first letter, he talks about their utterance, the gift of utterance. And so do you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, what he's kind of talking to them about? Do you remember? Do you remember? Close. That's 12. So two chapters over, 12. Gifts of the Spirit. What's well, interesting, and then he puts love in there, and then he talks about tongues and prophecy. Their utterance. He's talking about their utterance. So the Corinthian church had a lot of utterance. Right? That's why they had to have extra instruction about utterance. <laughs> so he said, you've abounded in this. In fact, you've abounded in so much I have to give you extra instruction. <laughs> and he's like, some people say, well, well Paul was like saying, uh, don't talk in tongues so much, don't talk in tongues so much. That is not what Paul was saying at all. Actually, Paul said, if it's not interpreted in the assembly, just speak to yourselves and to God. Oh, so you can speak in tongues to yourself and to God? Yes, you can. <laughs> but Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues, and he's from Alabama or Texas or somewhere, more than y'all. All y'all. So, so, so just get the picture. Like, they're kind of like going crazy on, you know, crazy tongues in, in public assembly, and it's not building up anybody. He said, you look at the letters of Paul, he always says, especially in the assembly, I want everything be done to put something into people, edify, to put something in. 
And so uh, they were doing it. It wasn't, it was edifying themselves, but it wasn't edifying the, the whole group. And so he said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Yet in the church, or what's the church? It's not a building, it's the assembly and the coming together to worship God, to meet with God, to hear from God, to be used of God, right? In the church, I'd rather speak 10,000 words in a known language than one word in other tongues. But he said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So then he says here, verse 7, see to it that you abound in this grace also. As you excel in so many ways, they're excelling in faith, in gifted speakers or utterance, knowledge, enthusiasm, and your love for us or to us, see to it that you abound. Don't leave this one out. Don't leave this out. I love Paul. He's such a good teacher. He's like a father in the faith. You know, he's talked of Timothy. You know, you have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers. In, uh, in James chapter 1, at the, at the end of the chapter, he's talking about true and pure religion is actually uh, to take care of orphans and widows. Well, if you, if you study that out, which I did for this series, you find out he's talking about those where a father is not present, you actually come and fill that gap and fill that void. So as you abound in all of these other things, see to it that you abound in this grace also, the grace of, of giving. I don't want you missing out. So Paul's like a father doing exactly what the Holy Spirit's prompting him to do, infusing with courage. Like, you know, the role of a father is, hey, you know, you're doing good here. Good here. But you know what? You need to abound in this grace also. That's great. That's great that you have mighty faith, that you're operating in mighty faith. That, that's great that you have lots of words that you can speak, and those words are anointed of God and from the Lord, but don't neglect this right here. And I think it's because in chapter 9, one of the main reasons is that you may uh, give into every good work. So I, I don't want you broke. I want you blessed. I mean, you're a child of God himself, and we are not under the curse. We are under the blessing of God. And the second and the more that we recognize, realize, speak that we are blessed, the more blessing you will see and experience. Uh, one of the major demonic tactics is to get you to believe that you're cursed and think the curse and talk the curse and live the curse. And get friendly with the curse. Well, it just runs in our family. That's just, you know, I grew up in a, in a house and our personalities were that way. Well, if you believe your personality is from the Lord, then it's a warped, it's been warped by the world. It doesn't really matter how you believe the particulars, but you let the word of God transform your life trans, by transforming your thinking. And then your actions are transformed. Hallelujah. We must hurry. All right. Weymouth translation. But we desire to let you know, brethren, of the grace of God, which has been bestowed to the churches of Macedonia, how while passing through great trouble, their boundless joy. You get that? Their bound. Do they have that translation? 
No, New Living, okay. So just don't pay attention to that. We desire to let you know, brethren, of the grace of God, which has been bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, how while passing, I love how it says this. That's why I had to read this. What, what's happening right now? I'm passing through trouble. Pastor Mark texted me this week and was asking how everything's going, and I was having some challenges. And so the response I said to him, I said, he said, what, what's going on? And I said, I am overcoming. I am overcoming right now. I am overcoming. The Lord also gave him something that you could pick up and take for yourself, and I think it's really good. Somebody said, how are you feeling? Asked him how he was feeling. And he checked on the inside, and the Spirit of God said, say this. I'm feeling the same way that Jesus was feeling when he overcame this feeling. <laughs> you got that? I'm feeling the same way that Jesus was feeling when he overcame this feeling. Well, how does that apply to you? Well, the whole reason he overcame that feeling was for you. He made it possible. It's because of him, because he took it. And he didn't just take it, he utterly destroyed and defeated its power. Praise the Lord. All right, so great trouble. Their boundless joy, even amid their deep poverty, has overflowed to increase their generous uh, liberality. In other words, they were extremely generous in, in the middle of these tests and trials. And if you look at chapter 9, these people who were so poor and couldn't do all this, God multiplied their seed sown so that they have chapter 9, verse 8. They abound in all of these things. All of their needs are met so much that they're giving into every good work. So the Holy Spirit of God, if you'll follow him, no matter the situation that you're in, no matter what comes your way that you don't expect, just get a hold of yourself. Make sure you have some good relationship, good relationships and good friends who can get a hold of you, yeah. right? right? Call you up, text you. Ah. I mean, the first form of wireless communication was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I mean, I had some tests and trials. Not a big deal, but they were a big deal to me. And I had like one, two, three, three different uh, minister friends just text me. Hey, how's it going? What's going on? Why? Because they have wireless communication. From the Holy Spirit. And those are the ones that actually reached out after getting wireless communication. How many people actually know and they don't reach out? They just pray or... You know, say, oh, it must have been something I ate. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit, he infuses us with, us with courage. And we can give and we can be a blessing no matter where we're at. In fact, if you're in deep poverty, one of the greatest needs that you have is to be a giver. Because you need God's resources show up in your life. And God's resources don't show up in your life by whining and complaining and telling the Lord how bad it is. His resources show up when you get full of joy at what the provision of God that's coming to your life. So he didn't say, 
Those Macedonian believers, you know, they had a lot of tests and trials and they had deep poverty, so we exempted them from giving. <laughs> they don't have to give. Everybody else give. No, I mean, he, he went on to say, uh, you know, those that have a great abundance, they should give of their abundance. And those that have lack, they should still give. But he said, quoted from Rick's book, Exodus, Exodus chapter 16, talking about the manna from heaven that came down in the wilderness. 30 days, they left, they left Egypt 30 days before. And so I guess they just lived off the provision they had for 30 days. And about 30 days, all the provision wore out, and the people started complaining against Moses and Aaron. And the Lord said, you, you go talk to them and tell them. And also tell them, by the way, they're not complaining against you. They're complaining against me. Wow. So they, he said, you complained against Moses and Aaron, your leaders, as you actually complained against me. But he gave them, you know, quail for meat. My wife would happy, be happy. And then he gave them manna from heaven every morning. But you know, like they had to only gather what they could eat in that day, which was like two quarts, half a gallon per person. And he said, don't, don't gather any more than that. They didn't listen, some of them. So they gathered more and what maggots and all this stuff came on it. It was nasty and it stunk. And so, but, but then he said, you know, the day before the Sabbath, you, you gather two days worth. So they gathered two days worth and it didn't rot. It's amazing, like the miracle working power of God. And, and they were provided for. But then... What the word says in Exodus is with the manna, it said, let each one gather as much as they can use themselves. As no limit. There was no limit to how much they could gather as long as they could consume it. And so that's where he was quoting there in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He's saying so that it would be, there would be an, an equalness and equality. So you may have, somebody have, may have more expenses than you, different lifestyle, different needs, but you, you gather what you need. The Lord said he, he kept generously giving as much as they needed. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. We got to go. <laughs> All right. How are we going to do this? Okay, everybody stand up. Well, I have to give you an invitation at the same time I, I, we received the offering. So I don't ever do that. So You're never supposed to take an offering with people sitting down or give an invitation. Yeah, with people standing up. Never take an offering with people standing up. And you never give an invitation with people sitting down. Because you have flesh, and so if you're sitting down, it's harder to like uh, respond, and so so you won't do it. So I'm gonna do the invitation first. <laughs> okay, every head bowed, every eye closed. I, I want to invite you this morning. I want to give you an invitation, and that is to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. I want to invite you to meet Him this morning. Yes, you can actually meet Him. Yes, He's real. Yes, He's a real person. He's a real being. Thank thank God He is. I want to invite you to make a decision today that will alter the course of your life. 
And that decision is for Jesus. It's a decision that nobody else can make for you. You're the only one that can make this choice and make this decision. And God will never force this decision or never force this choice. But he invites you and has prepared for you the best life you could possibly imagine. People are looking for answers. How come the world is the way it is? People got lots of questions going on. Jesus is the answer. People are looking for purpose, meaning, a reason to live. This is the greatest reason to live. This is, this is the only place you're going to find your ultimate purpose, is becoming a part of the family of God, making Jesus Christ your Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You want to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I want to come into a relationship with him. It's really easy. We're going to pray a prayer together in just a few seconds. But I want you to just slip up your hand while nobody else is looking around and uh, saying, yeah, that's me. I want to give my life to the Lord. I want him in my life. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for God, my Father, and for Jesus Christ every day. All right, now we're going to pray this prayer together. And I want you to pray this prayer from your heart. Make sure you agree it from, uh, with it from your heart. If you don't agree with it, don't say it. But if you do agree in your heart and say with your mouth what we're going to pray right now and declare, the Bible says you will be saved. Say this with me. Say, oh God. I believe Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins and to make me right with you. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. You're my savior. I'm not living for myself anymore. You are my Lord. Thank you, Father God, for saving me in Jesus' name, amen.